here's your host, Alex Garrett. And welcome inside to Alex Garrett Podcasting. And uh, before we start with our main virtually uninterrupted guest, Robert Erskine, literally only one commercial break. I have this prayer to offer, and it was from Wayne Pastor and Jay, a.k.a. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church Weehawken, where they talked about and read 1 Timothy chapter 2, 1 through 7. And I loved it the first time I heard this. I love it even now as we honor Queen Elizabeth tomorrow and then Wednesday in the week in NYC and in Washington mainly. But here's the reading. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. For kings and all who are in high positions, so that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life and dignity in all godliness. This is right and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That part right there, where kings and all who are in high positions. King Charles is entering an extremely difficult position. So, of course, we must pray for the king and his family as they will do their damnedest, I'm sure, to continue the queen's legacy of 70 years, 52 to 22. And now, without further ado, my guest on the Queen is actually from jolly old England himself, Robert Erskine. Enjoy this conversation. If you know anything about my work life, I used to work with a group called the Auto Lab every Saturday morning. What? Seven till nine, eight till ten. The hours were all over the place, but we made it. We got it done every morning on radio. And one of my longtime friends now, the last few years, out of that, Robert Erskine. Uh, I want to bring him on to talk about the Queen because he reports and reported from jolly old England, and uh, it feels good to say that again. Robert Erskine from jolly old England. Welcome back to my to the to this world again. I give you a royal salute, Alex. Thank you very much for having me on. You've got your Great Britain flag. I've got the USA because yeah, one of unity where we all miss and honor the Queen. And I wanted to have you on before tomorrow's royal festivities. And sure, you're in the know. You're in there. And <laughs> I want to know, firstly, your thoughts uh, on the passing of Queen Elizabeth II and ninety six. Well, you know. You've you've probably heard this so many times. Those of you who have uh, clicked on to see live coverage and stuff that is coming from 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 England, uh, the bottom line is uh, I was deeply deeply emotional and cried. I almost washed washed my contact lenses out. Uh, I was very very upset and I just could not stop crying. And when we got the news, I happened to be with with my family. Um, that that day at home and we were all just sitting there absolutely uh flooding out with the tears and emotion 
and uh, it came in waves. It, it just wasn't a one-off moment. It was like throughout the day, and it was really like, uh, for those of us who very sadly experienced losing uh, somebody very, very close, it was like a button had switched on and all the emotions, all the sadness, uh, you know, kind of kick, kicked off. And we then quickly discovered that this became a national, if not a real international response. Yeah. So I was very, very moved, terribly upset. Uh, couldn't quite work out why, uh, other than what I have just, just said. And yeah. even now, Alex, I have to tell you, you know, uh, I've been watching the 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 online live feed that you can go on to see people queuing in London uh, to go into the Palace of West Westminster to see the Queen lying in state. And you just watch people. And that's a very addictive thing. Mm -hmm. And you see somebody weeping. And you start to weep and you think, why am I? Right. It's because you are connected. You are connected. You to, that to because we've also seen like the prime ministers literally wait in line. They're not saying I'm better than you. Let me up. No. We saw two no. wait in line. I guess yeah. Johnson had a fall yesterday. I don't know exactly what that was about. But, um, you know, these the even the leaders in these parties are saying, well, we are part of the common folk in this in this situation. You know, and that's very interesting to see. It's. You know, there is a phrase, it becomes a, a a great leveler. Everybody is leveled down to just who they are. Never mind about, as you say, I'm a prime minister, I'm a lord, I'm a sir. Uh, even our famous um, ex-British football captain, um, Beckham, yeah, they were uh, he was in the queue. Now, this wasn't a, a PR stunt. He was deeply moved and he went and joined the queue he put on a funny hat he had a coat on he was in the queue he didn't tell anybody who he was until somebody turned around and said hey are you david beckham he went yeah he said what are you doing here he said the same reason why you're 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 here and it's extraordinary so everybody from the top down who are coming in to join the queue they have all become down to their natural position, which is just a human being full of emotion, caught up in this, not quite sure why, but you have to go. You have to go along and pay your respects. Absolutely. Now, you know, the USA has been influenced by the Queen. She's seen 15 presidents. I mean, even date back to Eisenhower. So she's had a long history of coming over here. And, you know, she even did that on a hundred degree day. And she was in her 90s when she did that. That was... um. Well, I guess maybe even 80s when she did that at, at uh, ground zero, if I'm not mistaken. So she's been here even into her later years as well. Yeah. Well, even just the literally 48 hours before she passed away, she was still working. She inaugurated our new pri pri prime minister, um, who we call Liz Truss, uh, who you're going to hear a great deal uh, um, about. So she inaugurated her on the on the morning that 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 our new prime minister flew up together with our ex prime minister Boris Johnson, mm -hmm. uh, who's a very colourful fellow. He was deeply moved afterwards by the news, as was our new prime prime minister. But the fact is, 
Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II was working literally right up to the very end. She wasn't sitting in a chair having tea and toast or tea and marmalade or toast. She was working and everybody saw this. And this was what was so utterly remarkable. Somebody of her age still working. And, you know, real Fantastic. quick into the cars aspect of this, because I know you followed her love of cars as a mechanic yeah. and whatnot. But, you know, there were so many times where there were false start reports. If you remember, they used to have like these false tweets out. The Queen, you know, they were prepping for this for a long time. Mm. As you say, no matter how much prep, no matter how many times you try and word it, it's still a shock. Even when we all saw it coming eventually, it's still a shock. Well, 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 of course, look, there, there's a terrible line. People die. Everybody dies. You know, I don't want to sound like a gramophone record. It's one of the great certainties of, of life is that our life is going to end. Now, the fact is, we were all watching her. The last year or two, it became very clear that, that she was having issues with what her press office were putting out. She's having mobility issues. Well, it really wasn't mobility. She was getting tired, you know. She has worked nonstop for 72 years, right up until she, she almost died. Uh, and so people become older. Things don't work as, as well, just like a car. It covers so many thousands of miles and things start to wear out and go wrong. The same was happening with, with, with the Queen. And it became very, very evident that this was happening. But we couldn't accept it. Nobody could accept it. For the simple reason, and she had COVID, if I'm not mistaken, right? I mean, yes, she also got COVID, and, and there'd be rumors that maybe this had something to do with it. Nobody quite knows what the medical reasons were as to why she she died. Uh, certain uh, statements have been made that it was just conditions of becoming old. I suspect in years to come, something will be released, and we'll learn a a, a little bit more. The fact is, she was like a brick in the wall. She was always there. She was solid. She was fixed. She kept everything going. She maintained her demeanor uh, most of the time. So it was this shock. It was this, how could this possibly happen? It was a non-acceptance because she's always been there. Yeah. Always been there for all those generations who've grown up with her. Well, I'm glad you mentioned growing up because... Went on there, I said, "What's your experiences with the Queen?" And your, you know, your your experience with the Queen, if not right next to her, all the you know, times had to deal with starting a childhood. So tell us about your schooling and and how they honored the Queen because you were. This is fascinating. Yeah, well, well, now people might not know this. Um, I will let the beans out. I was I was a fifty four baby, so that makes me sixty eight now. Now. My earliest memory of who the Queen was was actually at at nursery. Okay. It's really, really peculiar. And I remember this very well. Uh, one day we all had to come into nursery <laughs> very nicely dressed. And there was a party and there was cakes and there were balloons and there were songs and there was clapping. Uh, of course, I didn't know the significance of the Queen, but there were all these photographs all around the classroom on the wall of her Majesty. We now fast forward to primary school and the same thing used to happen when we were told in the um, reception classes. So that's when you're very young and you come from nursery into your primary school. 
uh, we were told that it was going to be the Queen's birthday uh, in so many days' time, and you've all got to write birthday cards. You're going to make coloured birthday cards, and they're all going to be sent to the Queen, and the Royal Post are going to come and collect it. So there was this big activity. There was a lot of energy going into making birthday cards. And then, of course, on the day, if we were at school, uh, there was singing in the hall. Uh, there were prayers in the hall about the Queen. There was a big picture of the Queen stuck on the wall in the hall. So we grew up. So we grew up with this lady. And then, of course, as you get older, you read about her. And then, of course, at Christmas, she had this tradition, which was the Queen's speech on Christmas Day. So the whole country would come to a stop. They would stop their Christmas lunch. It would be in the afternoon. Uh, most people would have had far too much to drink because it was Christmas afternoon. And you'd all gather around the television and you would listen to the Queen's speech. And she was always offering uh, support and warmth. And in hindsight, it was always love. She was never telling you what you should or shouldn't do. She was saying, you know, if that year had been a particularly bad year for whatever reason, she would always have a positive outlook that mm. in time to come, things are going to get better. Things will invariably change. So as a kid, you grew up with this figurehead, with this person who was always there. And then, of course, finally, when you got much older and you were aware of politics and prime ministers and all sorts of things that were going on the one constant that was never in the news having arguments or losing their temper or doing something that they shouldn't have done was her majesty so mm. there was this constant running through so that was my earliest childhood memories it's amazing mention politics i don't know if she ever went to i'm sure she went to parliament not in her later years but i never really saw footage of her in Parliament, has she ever gone there? Or? She goes and opens Parliament. Okay. And then, of course, there are certain times where she has, has to sign political papers. And you, oh, over the years, you, you, you really only got to saw that. Uh, you only saw that in the press. And then in later years, when the television was allowed to come in, you were mm -hmm. allowed to see certain procedures, which was magical because what you were seeing as we're seeing now is pure english history pure english tradition that goes all the way back to when royalty was was first established here now did her love of cards inspire your love of cards i've got to ask you that. uh i wouldn't say that her love of cards uh inspired my love of cars but what I found out about her was absolutely fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, uh, I mentioned this um, on Autolab about the fact that the Queen was a trained mechanic. Um, World War II came along. She wasn't, you know, popped off to some safe house somewhere in uh, Britain wearing uh, a crinoline dress and having, you know, a nice time. She went straight into the army. She, mm -hmm. it, whether this was a PR uh, uh, thing, I don't know. I suspect that no, that the royals decided that they've got to pull their uh, weight, and they wanted to contribute and be part of the war effort. So Her Majesty went straight into a unit where she was trained to ma maintain and repair um, 
medium-sized trucks. Uh, and she was very, very good at it. And the photographs which you can find, if you go again onto the internet, you can put it in and you will, you will be absolutely astonished that she's a bit of a grease, grease monkey. Huh. Uh, and she was really, really good. And there is a story uh, that uh, not so long ago, she was going to some event. She was opening a building or something and she was in, in, in a Bentley, which is one of her favorite cars as well as the Rolls Royce. And she was going along the road and the Bentley, tut tut as we say, packed up, it came to a stop. Mm. So the chauffeur got out and uh, the police who, and the security who were with her came and surrounded the car. And the chauffeur came back and said to her, I'm terribly sorry, I, I don't know what has um, happened. I can't get the car to start. So the queen got out and she knew that in the trunk of this car were a spare set of sparking plugs and what's called a rotor arm. For those of you who know what an old car is, you had ignition points, not electronic ignition, but you had a set of points which opened and closed. She knew her stuff. She rolled up her sleeves. She got into the engine bay. She did some basic checks and she said, right, there isn't a spark coming from the distributor. She got it off. She replaced it. She changed the plugs as well. We'll put everything back. And she said to the chauffeur, start it. Engine started. Love it. They all got back in the car and they went off. Now, I know that we were on the air, actually, when King, when uh, when Prince Philip had passed away. And the selection of the car that his coffin was being carried, it was a big deal, wasn't it? It was a very, very big, big deal. I I'm just going to jump back. You've you you've just said something about did my love of cars come because of of the queen in fact i'm going to re retract this alex i'm going to say probably yes because the royals loved cars or love cars sure. so we were always seeing these wonderful cars especially rolls royces and bentley's and very very old ones they have kept all their old old cars there's a fabulous collection that the queen has kept her original Daimlers, Rolls Royces, which were given to her by the Rolls Royce car company and also Bentley. So, yes, I think I was influenced. So, um, yes, Prince Philip also loved cars. And one of his favorite cars was the Land Rover right. and the Range Rover series. And of course, uh, he designed his own uh, kind of hearse which was the back of an adapted uh, Land Rover Discovery, which is a fabulous car. He he got involved in actually designing it so he would be put on the back of this fabulous car. And now and now, what's the car that they're taking the Queen around? Because obviously we've seen motorcade after motorcade, but I don't exactly know what they're doing. Right. Well, tomorrow she's actually going on a gun carriage. So when you put your television on, you're, you're going to be... A horse a, no, drawn by naval officers, ordinary naval seamen of a normal rank. Uh, they're not going to be drawn by horses. The reason for this is that when Queen Victoria's uh, husband, uh, Prince Albert, died, because okay. the Queen's lineage all comes from Queen Victoria, when he died, they put him, put his body in a coffin on a gun carriage drawn by horses, there was an incident where the horses uh, wouldn't settle and one of the horses started to become wild. 
So they had to quickly take all the horses off. And it was then decided very quickly at the moment in the true British fashion, right, we'll find a solution. Right, get all the naval ranking officers who were standing by the side of the road, get them to pull the gun carriage. So you won't have problems with the horses. So tomorrow you will see a very strange event of the horse of the gun carriage being pulled by naval ratings, as we call them, pulling Her Majesty in her coffin down the road. And now, then she'll be put on her car, which will go to Windsor, which will probably be a uh, special Jaguar hearse, which you've probably seen in the news, which the Queen also helped design. Now, you, you follow the, all of this pretty closely. So do you know if the royals are going to come in for the UNGA week? I know that Prime Minister trusses. I know that there's actually a huge memorial service at our own cathedral in Washington for her. Do you know if the royals are going to that? I have no idea, Alex. I have no idea at, at all. I, it's possible that somebody from the royal family may go over and attend and represent the royal family. But at the moment, they are going to have almost a, a month of um, official mourning. Mm. So they will go away and do their own thing, probably out of the public eye. So uh, I, it's, 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 it's possible that somebody is going to go over from the royal royal. Uh, now, I don't like gossip. I don't like talking about Meghan, Harry, Prince, <laughs> Prince William and... And Kate, you know, although she's now the Princess of Wales. We haven't had a Princess of Wales since Princess Di, which is very yeah. good, by the way. But I don't want to get into all that. But I do want to know this, because you mentioned that she went in the army. Well, when Harry went in the army, um, people saw that as a stunt. But I think that really changed his personality and calmed him down a bit. Uh, well, he, he I, I believe that, the, that he was on active duty. He was in Af. Af Afghanistan. His life was threatened. A kind of a fatwa, as it's called, was put on his head. So that uh, upped up the uh, atmosphere for him. And yes, it probably did change him because there's a lot of training. There's a lot of discipline. Uh, look, th there's, to use the phrase, there is a lot of, I think, unnecessary stick mm. put at him. Uh, not everybody is exactly the same as Her Majesty. But, but people are saying here, well, why isn't he following the example of, of the Queen? Look, everybody is different. Um, people have different personalities, different, different values. Yes, it appears he has been at odds with his position in the royal family and people are pointing fingers at Meghan and saying, oh, it's all her fault. Perhaps it, it is. But this is a moment. I think that that's going to change. It's 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 possible that because of his grandmother, who he was very attached to, has died. Uh, I wouldn't say that the riot act has been read to him by his father, our new king. But I think it's almost certain that a certain realization has has come through, and that the differences that he has towards his family and his brother. Uh, because there's been mentioned that he and his brother didn't quite get on. Well, I don't know any siblings who don't at certain times have a bit of a punch up, as we call it here, but it all gets resolved. I think he will 
settle down and I think you will see a, a change. So his military chain training, I think, will will click in. He'll 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 fall in. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. Then, you know, family. I want to know a little about your family. Did, did your mom and dad, how many siblings do you have? by the way? Right. I have an older brother and I have a younger sister. And were you all kind of raised to honor the royals or love the royals? Or that kind of <laughs> well, now, uh, I don't think it's going to do any harm whatsoever for what I'm about to say. My mother, I think, was very much a royalist. Okay. My father, who served as a doctor in the last war, in the services in the Second World War, he was not a royalist. He, in fact, used to get highly irritated when he would see um, a cavalcade of the royals going down a road in London. He would say, and I hope he forgives me because my parents have, have since died, he would get agitated and shout at, at the television and say, you know, the royals, everybody makes a fuss about a royal. They don't know what it means to sit in a traffic jam. They, they've never known what it means to be held up in a traffic jam. Everything, you know, runs smoothly, whereas us mortals, we have to deal with day-to-day -day irritations. <laughs> so the painting that I'm uh, creating for you here is that my mother was a royalist almost for certain. My father, uh, I'm not quite sure. I, I I think he took it with a grain of salt and would, you know, sort of, sort of I'm sure he would be very up, upset if he was here now, as with my mum, uh, that this event has happened. But they would be stoic, like people of that generation. They lived through the war. They would accept people pass on. You have to get on with it. Uh, so, in a nutshell, my mother was a royalist. I don't think my father was as much as a royalist. You know, you talk about the the the, the stoicism, but um, she seems to never let taking over the throne at twenty five or so bother her. But you were around there more than any of us were. You know, did she show signs of like youth as a as a queen? Like, was she still? I I her her vibes that she gave out were always full of life full of energy uh yes she may look somber because we always see her at these constant royal events and ceremonies where you have to you know stand in a certain way look in a certain way she was actually a very mischievous fun loving person she loved it when things went wrong there was an interview that i saw about her where she said what she loved was when she was all dressed up standing in some very you know uptight sit situation out of the corner of her eye she was always looking and waiting for something to go wrong you know somebody dropped a glass somebody tripped uh something fell over somebody forgot their lines she loved it when it all went wrong she never got angry when something didn't quite go to plan, although she's a human being, and I'm sure she got irritated. But she was full of fun, full of energy. She uh, always had this twinkle in her eye. And everybody who has ever met her has said she put you at ease. She knew that you were nervous because you it's, it's built into you that when you meet the Queen, you know, there's this whole thing going on. You were put at ease by her, and she was just one of these exceptional people 
that just radiated a warmth and uh, friendship to you, mm -hmm. which a lot of people don't have when they're in these positions. And briefly, you'll see that our new king walking around is a lot more relaxed. A lot of the barriers have come down. Uh, you've seen him in the queues shaking hands. Indeed, he let a lovely lady give him a great big hug and a kiss the other day. That's never happened before. I mean, you just wouldn't have this a few years ago. So Robert, there are changes. There's an expectation that they shouldn't cry or something, but all four of her children have shown emotion throughout yes. all this. And that is very not what we see from the royals, if you will, right? No. I mean, all of us have been led to believe that there's this stiff upper lip. You know, the British, uh, there is this um, uh, joke that, uh, you know, when when things go, go wrong, you just pick yourself up and you carry on. Uh, and this came from the royals. This was a uh, a, a a royal manifestation, and it actually came from Queen Queen Victoria. You know, whatever's going wrong, we will just pick ourselves up and we will carry on and uh, be tough and all this kind of. What it's showing you, Alex, is that the royals are human beings, yeah. and the queen was probably the greatest human being of our era, those of us who've grown up with her. Everything about her is wholesome, kind, not judgmental, not dictatorial. Mm. Uh, and we're fortunate that we've had her as an example because other countries, sadly, as we are now experiencing, have these dic dictator types, mm. dictatorships who rule with fear and terror and, and and all sorts of horrible things. We have in this country an example that you don't have to have have this, mm. that you have a royal who admittedly doesn't tell people what to do. She's politically not supposed to make decisions, but you know that just by a certain word or a, an intonation, she can let know that she's not happy about something. Well, she addressed uh, she addressed Trump when he was over there. She addressed a lot of the presidents. I mean, really, they they carried everything when Trump went over there. I never heard her speak until that moment. Like she had that whole dinner there, and yeah. she spoke, and she was very vocal about things, if I'm not mistaken. But she was she was out outspoken, but up to a point. You know, she she would get to that point, and that was you know enough said you got the message without her actually saying i disagree or i'm not happy with your behavior or i don't agree with what you're doing she would hint it was very very subtle all right culturally because you're involved with her culturally because she had something very special with you uh, involving one of your sculptures. first of all i didn't know you were a sculptress because we've only focused on the on the you know the car side of you but you are and she was there for one of your sculpture unveilings. What was your experience with the Queen? Well, uh, I don't know how much time we have got. We got a lot. I can always. Okay. Say. Well, here's a story. First of all, um, I was very lucky in my career to become a fellow of the Royal Society of Sculptors here in England. Um, it's the only organization that's recognized with royal patronage 
that's connected to British sculpture. There are not many of us. We all work very, very hard. And uh, for, for me, I'm not really a kind of a, a club person, but I found myself being nominated to become a fellow of the Royal Society of Sculptors. And I have to tell you, it was quite something because I suddenly realised that it's a recognition of your very hard work and the standard which you aspire to. That's really all that it's about, uh, other than promoting sculpture. But my experience uh, was I was very fortunate that I had a commission for a piece of sculpture that went up in the northeast of England in a place called Sunderland, which was very famous for 700 years of shipbuilding. So this part of England, this is where most of Britain's ships were built. That's fantastic. So to cut a long story short, my sculpture, uh, which is based on a cross section of a hull of an ocean going liner in a sculptural form, that's what the sculpture was. It was put at the entrance to a new business park. Uh, and this was back in 1996, I think it was. Uh, so it's going back a little while. And this is a big sculpture made out of stainless steel. Uh, and I was halfway through making this thing. And it was a big monumental piece when my client called me and said, uh, just to let you know, the business park is going to be opened by the unveiling of your sculpture. And oh uh, I kind of froze because this had never, never happened before. And I thought, my goodness, the Queen's coming all this way to open the park. He said, yes. He said, so I just thought I'd let you know. I'll fill you in with the details and the timing and all this kind of thing. Fine. So we fast forward to the day that the Queen turns up. And uh, unfortunately, five days before the Queen came to unveil the sculpture to open this huge business park, which gave employment to nearly 5,000 people, the biggest shipyard that employed 12,000 people was closed by the then Prime Minister, Margaret Thatcher. She closed the Swan Hunter shipyard down overnight. Wow. So this is five days before the Queen comes to open the business part of the sculpture. Why am I mentioning this? Well, the media got hold of the news that my sculpture was based on a cross-section of a huge ship that was built at this yard down the road, literally half a mile down, down the road from the site of the new park. And the media called my sculpture uh, the memorial to the demise of the shipbuilding industry in Great Britain. And that Margaret Thatcher had commissioned this sculpture to go up, which of course wasn't true. Okay. So this whole thing kicks Margaret, off. Margaret Thatcher as well. Look at that. Yes. So <laughs> Margaret Thatcher's involved in. So I got wind of this and I contacted my client and said, uh, this isn't right and you've got to put a statement. He said, we're, we're going to be putting out a statement to say this has nothing to do with it. No, it made no difference. It was on the news for the five days, every day before the Queen came. 
so of course it raised my profile, which was not what I wanted in the wrong way. Uh, and on the day, the plan was that my sculpture was going to be hanging from one of England's biggest cranes in midair. And then the queen would arrive, the sculpture would be lowered down very slowly. I would tighten a couple of uh, nuts to hold the sculpture onto the foundations. The queen would come and formally cut a ribbon that was put round and say, I now open the park. What happened was the crane went down and one of the threads that was holding the sculpture down jammed. One of the engineers I was working with hadn't followed my instructions, which was to put grease on all the metal studs, as they're called, so that there was no problem. There was stainless steel, stainless steel on stainless steel jams. Those of you who know metals. So my instruction, and I only worked this out as it was happening. I thought they haven't put the grease down, so there's, there's going to be a problem. These nuts were still on there, and they managed to get them off except one. So for 20 minutes, the Queen had to wait whilst all these guys, including me, were struggling to undo one bolt, which I've got here in my office. Uh, and we undid it. The sculpture went down. The Queen came and unveiled it. Everybody clapped. Did you shake her hand? I mean, I, no, I wasn't, I wasn't permitted to. Right, that's not proper. But the end of the story was, and it was a little bit sour, and I'll finish. She went off, and there was a demonstration down the road of all the unemployed ship workers who just that week been made redundant. They had come to the park. The police had cordoned them off because they didn't want a demonstration anywhere near Her Majesty and, and Prince Philip. And shortly after uh, Her Majesty and Prince Philip left, all these ship workers came onto the site and my client I saw was there and there was a sea of people came running up the road. He ran into what was called a porter cabin. This is a metal cabin, locked the door, called me over and said, you've got to deal with the demonstrators. So the Queen had been there. Uh, the demonstrators, quite rightly, were very angry about this. Well, and I want, I'm, that's amazing because we're seeing. There we are. Here we are 20, what now, 30 years later almost. Um, they're still angry. There are people out there angry that their tax paying dollars are going to yes. the yes. funeral for the Queen. And, you know, they're actually telling him, uh, telling King Charles this. And then you've got that heckler called. Prince yeah. man, and and look, whatever you think about that, it, it's very uh, not traditional. So, what is, what's you know, what's led these people to sort of break tradition and break the silence? Sorry, what what's the what 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 do you think is is the culture change in Britain that they can feel like they can break the silence? If you okay, people are feeling that. Things are more accessible. There is a feeling, there's a minority who are feeling that the royal family shouldn't be here, uh, that they can demonstrate, they have a right. Wherever it is, 
to demonstrate and say, I disagree with what you stand for and what you're doing. And this is what we call democracy. This is extraordinary. You couldn't do this in Russia, if I mention that. If somebody stands up and says, I disagree with Mr. Putin, you would never see them again. So what's happening is there is a relaxing of this kind of um, serious protocol. I think with the with the passing of Queen uh, Elizabeth, there's a relaxation of the way that it was done. Mm. Now it's changing. As I said, Prince Ch- uh, King Charles was out in the queue, the famous queue, the longest queue ever, that's over five miles, still going as we're talking now. He was there being kissed by members of the public, his subjects, if you want to call it that, shaking hands. That's not happened before. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be more vocal uh, dissent, not, you know, thousands of people going mad, but you're going to hear people are going to be demonstrating that the royal family shouldn't be here anymore. We're living in a modern time. Things have to move on. Britain is not going to get rid of the royal family. We are a democracy and the queen and the royal family, whether people like it or not, are representative of that democracy. This even handed. And here's another quick, quick thing I can I can tell you. Um, the king, uh, spoke to the queen and said if i become queen i want to become head of not the faith in great britain mm. but the faiths i want to it, it respect every faith every religious faith that's on this island now you don't get that anywhere you 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 have countries who are not happy with one particular faith and they don't give them the total freedom. England, whatever your faith is, you can come here and practice it and you won't be interfered with. And that's because of our tradition of the royal family where everything is equal. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because I'm also thinking of all the people, all the countries that might vote out of the monarchy. I don't know, we'll see how that goes as well, but that that's a discussion for another day. Um, this this thing about the queen and the, and the demonstrating though is really fascinating because you know I'm not a big fan of Prince Andrew and I think he might end up leaving being that was one of her one of her big moves is to kick him out of Buckingham so <laughs> you know he might be gone for good after this we don't know but it, it could lead down that road I, I think it's part of her to do what she did though with that look he he excuse me he he has spent a lifetime learning from his mother. It's extraordinary that at his age, 76, now is the time that he comes in and takes over from the Queen. So it's not as though he was like the Queen who had no experience at the age of whatever she was. Was it 22, 25? That she was dropped in because her father died. Now you're the Queen. You've got to learn on the job. He's had the luxury of learning right from the word go all the time so i think he's i think he's going to be good yes a lot of people don't feel comfortable with with him uh he is actually a radical in in many many ways you know he was one of the first 
in the early 70s to talk about global warming. He started publicizing it before anybody did. And people thought he was bonkers. He was he was nuts. He, no, he said, this is something which is really very serious. And we've got to look at this. Mm. He's absolutely right. So I think in many ways, he is the man of our time now. And I think you're going to see that um, he's going to be very forward thinking very open-minded sorry hill we're talking about charles or were you talking about uh prince andrew which one were you referring to uh, charles sorry I'm, I'm talking about charles sorry i i i've got off uh, andrew look uh you you're always going to get one black sheep in the family to use the phrase this is what his title is he he's become a black sheep People don't always behave in the way that you want them to behave. Uh, it's yet to be fully revealed as to whether everything that the media has uh, written about him and publicised him really is the truth. But look, uh, he has issued a statement today to say that he loved his mother dearly and learned so much and will cherish her and will try to follow, not in her shadow, but to follow her example. Mm. Whether he's got no option to do that, True. you could talk about, but he's having to toe the uh, line. Now, being part of the Royal Society of Sculptors, did you ever get to Buckingham Palace? Were you ever there? No. No, no. I, I got to uh, a couple of receptions where the Queen was, but uh, unlike the Dutch Queen, who I met, and I spent some, some time with the Dutch Queen, uh, where you could shake her hand, you could stand very close to her. She was like an auntie, basically, you know, a member of, of your family. The, the protocol is you were not allowed to go near the Queen unless you were invited. Mm. So the receptions that I went to, we were allowed to be there, but you weren't allowed to just casually walk up to the Queen and say, hey, my name is, I'd like to shake your hand. You were not allowed to do that. Uh, it's possible that things are going to change there. All right. Uh, culturally, I want to continue with that. Yeah. Yes. Often I always thought Bond and the Queen were inseparable. Like, come on now. <laughs> and wasn't M sort of based off of the Queen's? I, I always thought that there was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of of course. Look, char characterizations, particularly in the Bond films, the best example of how you should be is the Queen. So why not make M a kind of a mirror image to a degree of her Majesty, you know, a woman who's cool, calm, in control, you don't really argue with, because if you do argue, well, that's not going to go down very well. Mm -hmm. uh, but this whole thing about the Queen taking part in the Bond film, where she opens the Olympic Games here in London, was fantastic. I don't know of any other head of state who would have dreamt of saying, I'd like to do that. It was actually the Queen's suggestion. The Queen wanted to be part of a Bond film. Now, had she met Connery, great. went through a string of Bonds as well. So 
And yes. she met every one of them, do you know? I don't know if she met every single one of them in a film, but I know that she shook hands with them because at at film premieres and so on, well, the Queen would she often come along. a commercial also, I thought, or something like that. Uh, I don't know if she did a commercial. No, no, no. I don't think she did a commercial. What she did recently was that we have a figurehead, a, a children's story called Paddington Bear. This is a lovely, cuddly character called Paddington Bear. And Paddington Bear goes to the palace to have tea with the queen That's and it. brings out a marmalade sandwich. There's this whole thing about the marmalade sandwich. Mm -hmm. And the queen loves to act, apparently. She's she's a fantastic mimic, or she was a fantastic mimic, as is King Charles. King Charles is a fantastic comedian. He's a very gifted guy. He, he plays trumpet cello he's very good at acting the queen loves to dress up and party and act and have fun so this was a natural thing for her so this was a great thing this was another thing so you can go on on that line put in the queen and paddington bear and it will come up and it's fantastic i've seen that on the actually on tiktok i've seen a couple videos of that yeah now my first real quick the first introduction i got to the queen was my dad loved the Naked Gun series. So, of course, we watched her in Naked Gun where Reggie Jackson tries to shoot the queen and then, you know, Frank Drebin saves the queen. You know, that whole thing. It was just, that was my first introduction. And it was so funny. It just, she was such a cultural impact, even in the comedy world like that, you know? Yes. Well, look, it, look, the 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 queen gave gave patronage to our, theater to our orchestras to our arts you know there's royal covent covent garden there's the royal Phil philharmonic orchestra there's the royal academy of arts uh culturally uh she's been accused by uh individuals of well she really wasn't interested and if you took her in front of a painting she would glaze over and she wasn't interested i don't think that that is true I think she was a very lively person. She was very, very connected. And arts, entertainment, culture are very, very important. That All of this art stuff is the embodiment of a society and a country. And you can often judge a country by the vitality of the art. And the interesting thing is that, that arts and culture bring more money into Great Britain than any other industry. Uh, they aren't very well supported by the government. So this isn't a plug from me to say that the government ought to be supporting the arts more. But the royal family and royalty have always been associated with, with art and culture. And that's the reason why it is such a rich, deep um, reservoir of it here in England. Well, I'm going to I'm going to pause the conversation right at this point, because I want to do like a PS in another episode. So fantastic. Yeah. In just a minute. Part two uh, tomorrow uh, after the queen has been buried tomorrow being uh, September 20th. But for now, visit him at roberterskin.com. E-R-S-K-I-N-E. -E. We'll continue more with the Autolab alumnus about his real ties to Autolab and what's he been doing since Autolab has kind of uh, been on hiatus. All that and more on Alex Garrett Podcasting tomorrow 
September 20th.